Welcome to the Primal Path Podcast. We chat with our tribe to build a stronger connection through our native ways of communication. Learn about our coaches, clients, gym programming, and hear from our local businesses and find out about the latest happenings. Hey Tribe, we're back with a conversation with our clients. Today we're sitting down with Bill Bishop and we're going to hear a little about his story. Welcome to the podcast, Bill. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's uh, early morning. We got right down uh, with our 6 a.m. workout on Thursday. How are we feeling? Uh, good. I'm still sweating here. <laughs> sweating in your chair. <laughs> Rightfully so. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start a little bit. Uh, let's learn obviously a little bit about you. Uh, your kind of family life, what you do for work, and what you do for hobbies. Okay, so uh, I work for FedEx. I'm a regional sales manager. I've been with them. I'm coming up on 25 years in a couple weeks. Um, I've I started with them in New Hampshire. I moved to Memphis for a year and a half, and I moved to Connecticut uh, about 19 years ago. So. Uh, Linda, my wife, we moved out to Salem a couple months ago. We lived in Cheshire for 19 years. Kids out of the house, sold our house very fast, and uh, found what we liked out here. Heck yeah. Uh, you know, my dad worked for FedEx, and I know we've talked right. about this, and I, you know, it's bad that I don't remember. It's had to be like 35, 38 years or something like that after he got out of uh, auto dealership. He used to drive tractor trailers and stuff yeah. like that. Um <clears throat> And so you work from New Hampshire into Memphis, which yeah. is Memphis is their main hub, isn't yes, that correctly? Yes, it it's the headquarters. And what I always find funny is people who like track packages will see like a package that's from like New, they're getting trying to get it from Connecticut, and it'll yeah. be like in New Jersey, and they're like, "Yeah, why is this going to Memphis?" Exactly. And like you gotta explain like, "Listen, people, this is right. the process. If you right. want your package in two days, yeah. it needs to go to Memphis for that time frame." Well, when I first started. You know, we didn't have uh, intrastate rights, so if you were shipping something within the state of Connecticut, it would have to go to Memphis and then come back to Connecticut because there was no intrastate rights. And that used to drive people crazy. They couldn't understand it. So, wait, I, maybe I don't even understand. So, intrastate rights meaning? So, you have to have the authority to deliver within the state of Connecticut. Oh. Int intrastate versus interstate between two states. So, it had to go out of state and then come back in state to be legal. That changed, but when I first started, it used to drive people crazy. Yeah, that, I never even knew that. That's interesting that it had that. Yeah. Wow. So you went from New Hampshire. Where were you at in New Hampshire? Uh, I was in Bedford, right outside of Manchester. Okay, so the lower so, half of New Hampshire, yeah. still beautiful yeah. um, area. Then, obviously, Memphis got to be a big change. Yeah, that was only, uh, I was only there a year and a half. It was a management development program, and I was training new hires, so I was... Down there is actually only 16 months. What did you so, like about Tennessee? What did I like about it? Uh, it was cheap cost of living. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I like it up here. I mean, I, I don't hate it there. The food was good. Barbecue, certainly. The music's good. So, uh, but I, I like I like New England, certainly. Yeah, you know, I, I did some training down in like Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and mm -hmm. I've been to Nashville a couple times, and... I like Tennessee, but there's something that like doesn't make me love it, and I I, don't, I can't tell you what it is. It's almost like it has like the green and hilliness of Connecticut. Um, you get the Smoky Mountains and stuff like that. So it's foggy. It's like the areas that I was at. 
But there's just something that like prevents me from loving it, and I can never put my finger on it. Well, it's actually like three different distinct areas in Tennessee. It's such a long state. You think about it. it's going from Virginia to Arkansas. <laughs> that so, is true. So you got the Rocky, you got the Smoky Mountains there, which is mountainous. You got the middle Nashville area, which is kind of like the Midwest. Then you got Memphis, which is kind of uh, you know it's deep south and hot, sticky, flat, and brown. You know, I, I didn't even think about that. I was thinking more towards, uh, so I was, yeah, I was more on the hilly side of it, yeah. obviously, and then into Nashville. Yeah. So I never really got to experience the uh, the Memphis aspect of the dry and yeah. hot and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So what do you do for hobbies? You got a really cool hobby, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Hobby. Is, yeah, I don't know if hobby is the right uh, word. So I, I play rugby and... Uh, so I've been, I started playing 40 years ago now at this, at this point. How many years? 40. 40. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh. That's impressive. Yeah. It's really been a lifetime passion. So, and, and a lot of what I do outside of work and family is related to that. <laughs> too many hats, both playing, refereeing, running clubs, coaching. So it's something I've been involved with, uh. Yeah, since I was a kid. Yeah, it sounds like a, a good passion you have. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. How did you get into rugby? Because in general, if you look at Connecticut, like schools don't play rugby. It seems like, like you know, it's it's not really, it's not advertised on TV. Right. You can't really watch it. So how did you get into rugby to start, especially 40 years ago? Uh, so when I was in seventh grade, my family moved to England. So my dad worked for Ford Motor Company, and he got an expat job. And Heck we moved yeah. the whole family. I have three brothers. We moved over to England. I was there for three years, seventh grade through ninth grade. Uh, my older brother played, and when I got to ninth grade, um, yeah, I went out for the team and started playing. And then I moved to Connecticut after ninth grade uh, to Connecticut, to Fairfield. And I actually, the, the one school that had it in Connecticut was the school I went to. No way. <laughs> yeah, Fairfield Prep. So, uh, so I played there and then went to college. I went to Providence College and played all through there, graduated. And, yeah, I've taken a year off here and there, but pretty much been playing all the way through. And what are these uh, – what kind of leagues are you playing? And, like, obviously, are you playing just, like, local within Connecticut? Are you traveling a little bit to New England? Are you going a little bit further out there? I mean, are you in one league? Are you in five leagues? Obviously, you're refing. You're you're doing coaching. So is it all under the same, like, umbrella? Or is it is it kind of like you're, yeah. you know – Mixed. Well, there is USA Rugby, which is a national governing body. And uh, – what I play now is master's level, so uh, generally over 35. And uh, but there's we have a high school league, you know, through Rugby Connecticut, which I'm involved with. I've been coaching at Trinity College the last few years, and they're part of a, a college conference that rolls up to USA Rugby. The men's clubs, New London, New Haven, Hartford, they all play towards a national organization, and then really so. I play, the team I play with just plays Boston, New York, Philly. We travel around a lot. And then I've played tournaments around the country uh, for several years. Uh, just Aspen, Fort Lauderdale, Heck yeah. Phoenix, Savannah, uh, Montreal. 
So I, I feel like what's also nice about having this, uh, I, I'm going to call it a passion. I, I really think it's, to me, it seems more of a passion, something that you involve your life in as mm-hmm. much as possible. And um, it's providing health. Like, yeah, there's that injury aspect of it. But if you look at it, you know, rugby players, you're not wearing any pads. You're not doing anything like that. It's kind of like that mentality of bare knuckle boxing, mm. where if you don't have those pads, you're keeping yourself in check. Yeah, you're still going to get injured because every sport has a risk and has injury. But you know, you're looking at these football players that are you know hitting each other at a million miles an hour with all their padding and just checking people using their shoulder into someone's knee or head where they're not feeling it. Where rugby is, is you have to be really. You, you can't just go, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you have a different respect to your body, to their body, I feel, than you do just like I have pads on and running into everything, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's the helmet. Helmets make people feel invincible, uh, and really they don't do anything to prevent concussion. Yeah, they don't. Uh, so there's that. Yeah, you can only hit somebody so hard if you're not wearing pads. There's also in rugby, there's no blocking so you don't have that off-the-ball contact where a lot of people get hurt. So there's a lot of rules to try and keep it safe. It's, it, it's a contact sport. It's, you get hurt like yeah. any contact sport. But it is, you know, we, it's safer than football, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I would think so. Yeah, so. The, the um, like, if people want to get started into rugby, like, are these, their leagues that's, you know, are these leagues that are built up that people have already been playing for years most of the time, but... Is it also an open league that you can get started and join a team? Is there tryouts? How does that process go? Yeah, there's there's all different levels. And one, one of the things about rugby is, you know, it is a very inclusive environment. It doesn't matter if you played or not. Any team will welcome you. They're all, they always want numbers. They want people. They want to teach people, uh, men and women, girls and boys. Uh, contact me. I'm... I'm I'm the secretary for Rugby Connecticut. Heck <laughs> yeah. I, I know everybody in the state, and I can direct people to the right program, especially uh, girls and women. You know, that that's growing much faster Heck yeah. than, than the men's side. And there's college scholarships available for, for, for girls' rugby. It, there's really just so much growth that can take place. Um, and... Googling also, you can find any, you know, Hartford Rugby, New London Rugby, New Haven Rugby, Youth Rugby in Connecticut, any of those searches uh, will lead to, to a team. So, but, or reach out to me and I'll, I'll, I'll do a warm warm handoff. Heck yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, you actually were talking about right what I want to get into is like, have you seen the growth of rugby? I, I feel like, you know, I was speaking with you that when I have, or, or maybe I was talking to, to Linda about this, but... One of the guys I played darts with, he played uh, rugby, and he used to travel around the world and play mm-hmm. all over and stuff like that at the collegiate level. And then, like, you come in, you play rugby. I feel like the rugby environment is growing, or I just happen to be putting myself in places that, yeah. that have that. But have you seen that? Obviously, with the women and, and girls and stuff, you've seen growth. But overall? Yeah, it's the fastest-growing team sport in the United States right now. It, it's... Uh... You know, there's well over a million people playing rugby in the U.S. Uh, it's it's growing. I mean, in in Connecticut, there's like 14 boys high school programs and eight girls high school programs. Those there's several youth teams. A lot of them are concentrated down towards Fairfield County, 
less out towards this part of the state. There's now a, a professional rugby uh, league in the U.S., Major League Rugby, with professional teams in Boston, New York, all over the country, and, and they're drawing crowds. So it is growing, especially, I mean, at the collegiate level. It just continues to, to grow and grow. Colleges want it to be able to attract students to their college and, and have a good outlet. You know, I think one of the great things about rugby is its values, and uh, I talk about that a lot. I mean, respect is a huge part of it. Respect for your teammates, the referees, the opposition. You know, you have a social after the match. You know, you you hit each other, and then you have a, a beer together. It's very much a camaraderie-driven activity. It's inclusive. You know, this is very much about discipline and teamwork and all those great things, and and I just hear story after story of how rugby changed people's lives. And, and that's a lot of why I've been involved at, at the youth level is to, you know, I used to say rugby makes the world a better place, you know, that teaching people that, that respect and that it's not win at all cost. Yeah, we compete as hard as anybody, but, you know, we try and filter out that screaming at the ref and all those type of things and, you know, the, the, the sportsmanship that gets lost, you know, the high school, my son played high school hockey and, you know, that was just, you just <laughs> saw the worst, the worst in, 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 uh, in sports in that. So. You, you know, I, I think that's what a lot of people, uh, forget once sports get too big, you know, I, I think when sports start off and you see this in a lot of like sports that aren't like so mainstream in the United States is mm-hmm. the, when, when they're small, they, they have a lot of that discipline and the respect. You understand the game, the camaraderie. But what happens is as that fan base gets so big, you're looking at like MLB or you're looking at NBA where now the players are looked at as like superhuman and special. They're not looked at humans anymore. So they yeah. get they get the hate. They, they lose the respect. And it works both ways. One, for the fans towards the people, the players. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, those players also start losing that respect towards like, well – Look at me! I'm, right. you know, this big name. I don't want to put anyone's name on blast because you know I got that. Yeah, right. You know, uh, you know, because I don't know what they did. But but there's people that are do that. Like, hey, I'm this person, so I can do what they want. And you lose a lot of that. And I love seeing sports like rugby do that. Of just you know, go back to the basics of what it is. Teach about hard work. Teach like it's not always about winning. You know. It's about learning, um, getting up and doing it again, and just being able to rely on your team members. But there's also that good aspect of that work hard, play hard. Yeah. And I think when you can have that environment and the same person that you're pissed off at at the game, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, be like, man, you really kicked my ass. Or like, good move, and you can congratulate them and, and give them the respect at the end of the game on the good plays that they did or they yeah. do it to you. I think there's something that – a lot of sports and a lot of people don't understand about that. I agree. Yeah, and that's one of the great things. So the New Zealand All Blacks are typically the best team in the mm-hmm. world, and and they have a unique culture. Uh, they actually have they have a no dickheads rule in their their locker room, and they also uh, they all responsible for sweeping the, the locker room. Like even the biggest star has to sweep the locker room and clean up the shed. They call it. Nobody's bigger than the team. There's a, a book called Legacy that's all about that all-black culture that's kind of big in, in, in the corporate world because of what it teaches, all those values. And, and really, they set the standard and for the rest of the world, and, and, and we all, you know, it, it filters down to all the countries.
So. Yeah, I remember when I was overseas, I had always, like, rugby is always on, like, mm-hmm. and especially, you know, I got introduced in Afghanistan by right. working with the British I was talking to you about, and we played on a, on the airfield, you know, you know, it was just touch and stuff, and then it went to the sand, and it was just, like, a really cool way to learn um, how to play a sport I knew nothing about, and ever since then, when I was overseas, I'd always, like, follow the rugby leagues, and then mm-hmm. you had the super rugby leagues, and I absolutely loved it. No, I didn't understand everything. I just kept on walk, watching it over and over to understand what tries are, yeah. and and uh, if you can, you give us, like, a quick snapshot of how do you score, because I know there's kicking, there's throwing, there's uh, how do you score in rugby? All right, so so think about this way. So, so soccer... Rugby came from soccer when someone picked up the ball in the soccer game and started running with it, William Webb Ellis in uh, 1823. So that's how rugby started. American football came from rugby. So when it came, they were playing rugby and they said, oh, it's too dangerous. This is the, like the early 1900s. It was, it was played at Yale and Harvard. And uh, so then they said, okay, we're going to have a line of scrimmage. And uh, we're going to wear helmets and, <laughs> and uh, you know, we're going to draw up plays. So if you think about that, that that's kind of how the origin, you know, if you understand a little bit about football and see how it evolved. So a try is, is actually a touchdown. So you get over the goal line and you touch it down and that's a score. So it's confusing. It's a try is, a t- is touching the ball down worth five points. Um, so really... If you think about it, it's it's like American football, but when there's a tackle, there's still a contest for the ball. So you still have to retain possession. So it's a little bit like basketball, and it's almost keep away, trying to move the ball away to space and find your fast person to, to run it and keep retaining the ball. So you, And you can also kick it forward. You can't pass it forward, but you can kick it forward as long as you're on sides, like in soccer. So it kind of takes the best of all these different sports. And that's what's great about it is you have people from all different sports that come and bring something different to it, all different body, sh- body shapes and sizes. There's, there's a place for everybody. So, you know, really, I, I think you take like a soccer player, or a basketball player, and put them into rugby, they adapt much quicker than maybe a, an American football player. Yeah, I, I would probably think so too because – like when I look at like soccer, I'm like, man, these people are running for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have football, you're only, an entire game is actually I forget what it says. The entire game can be in seven minutes. Yeah. But all the whistles and all the rest time and all like mm-hmm. that. With rugby, you're doing the impact in the the sprints of football, American football. But you're also never stopping like the 90 minutes of soccer in the right. sense that you guys are on the field like there's. Very few whistles. I mean, there's whistles, but I mean, like, it. you guys are always just nonstop moving. You have the, what's called the scrum, where everyone's going together and we're kind of, like, pushing. Everyone's locked in. You have that, that you're really burning up all the muscles of your body. And then, like you're saying, there is no forward passing as well, too, except for kicking. You do have a field goal, too, right. and uh, that you can kick through on, I, I'm not sure, with a certain times. Yeah, yeah for, for either penalty kick or a conversion after a score, like football. Yeah, so if you guys haven't ever, like, looked at and actually watched a game of rugby, I highly suggest it. And even though you might be like, I don't really know what's going on, just seeing the athleticism of what those people go through and, like, their their, their effort, there's there's a feeling and a vibe that I feel like comes off of the, the TV or whatever you're watching on when you're watching that game. Like, 
that team sport, I feel like rugby is a team sport, like through and through that I've never seen out of any other sport because it's just the way you truly have to rely on each other in so many different parts of that, uh, the sport, you know? Yeah, it's, it's very much a decision-based sport. So you have 15 people on each side. If you, you have to do whatever, you have to react to whatever your teammate decides to do with the ball. So there's no thinking. You just, whatever they decide to do, so you hope they make the right decision. So, and you're playing offense and defense at the same time, like like basketball, and uh, so it's it's really unique. And there's no, the coaches can yell and scream, but it really is the decisions are made by the players on the field. So that's that's what's great about it. That's awesome. Yeah. And and how often do you uh, practice or train in these leagues? Like, <laughs> well, or you just kind of show up to the games and well, with the old guys. Yeah, there's there's really not much practice, so people have to rely on themselves for their own fitness. Which you know, I've been doing 19 years or so since uh, since I started playing masters. So high school level, yeah, you could, it's like any sport, varsity sport. You practice several times a week. You know, college we practice a few times a week, typically, and you know, try and try and get them to do some sort of fitness on the off days. But at my level and uh, at this point, it's it's on my own. But when I moved here, I started training with uh, the team in New London. That they have a men's club down there. And since uh, we were shut down with COVID at Trinity, so I just started uh, training with them, with the young guys, which was interesting. <laughs> kind of reminded me of uh, how hard it was to play a game on a weekend and then go train early the next week. Is uh, kind of rough on the body once you get. Really, it's tough on the guys in their 30s, and now I'm in my 50s, so it's still yeah, well, it was pretty tough. I will say you do look like you're in your uh, – you don't, definitely don't look like you're in your 50s. We'll, we'll, you. we'll put it that way. You, you definitely take care of your health. And speaking of that, we kind of want to know your story of how you ended up going uh, getting here to Primal Path. Right. So um, when we moved here, I, I was doing – I've done CrossFit the last – I started, I think, in 2016. Uh, and I had a gym that I was at in Cheshire that, uh, that I really liked, but then the, the coach left and I stuck it out a little bit longer. Um, and then COVID hit and, uh, so we're shut down and then I found a new gym, a new CrossFit in Wallingford last fall when they opened back up and I started going there, really liking it, enjoying it, continuing on good coaches. And then when we moved, uh, I said, I, I got to find something. So uh, really it was a Google search and trying out a couple different places. Uh, I was looking for something pretty specific, not, I guess, meathead CrossFit, <laughs> right? Where The sport know, of some, CrossFit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And something that, you know, really the, the mobility part of it is very important to me, the balance, like taking care of, your body. So I Googled, I saw primal path. I, I read up on it and like, eh, I think I'll try that out. And certainly when I came here, you know, as everything is said to be, it would be the beginning of the class with, with the revive, you know, is exactly what I need. And then work in the small muscle groups and the variety and, and the coaching, the knowledge. So those are all things that, you know, is a good fit for me. Certainly. I mean, I, through COVID, uh, I went back, I did P90X, you know, again, yeah. P90X3, and, you know, I try and uh, 
I've always tried to do yoga and build that in and flexibility and Pilates and that kind of stuff just to, you know, running and lifting just doesn't do it once you, once you get to a certain age. Oh. Really, it doesn't make sense at any age, it, but especially. It doesn't, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, um, and then, yeah, I have a lot of, I get a lot of injuries and I'm, it seems, you know, it seems like I'm always working around something and having the ability to, to have stuff modified and be able to still get a workout is is pretty important so yeah you, you know uh especially in rugby like people don't realize the amount of lateral and rotational movement that you have you have to have like your core has got to be incredibly strong in rugby i mean it doesn't need to be but i'm saying like to be really really good at rugby your core and lateral movements especially because you're hauling that ball i'm not that thing is if you've never thrown a rugby ball you have no clue how difficult it is to get distance and get your body initially to like do it because you're not used to throwing a ball sideways while spinning it slightly behind you. It's not like yeah. you're pitching a ball or doing a chest pass, you know? So, you know, one thing that I always like found in CrossFit was it was lacking that. It was lacking that rotation. It was lacking that lateral movement. Um, and that's, I think, something that, you know – that you need, especially because of rugby. And at the same time, you need that mobility and flexibility like we all do. But just like most, I would say most guys in general, lifting weights and running is cool. Like yoga and mobility, we understand it's important, but we yeah, don't put the I time know. in it, you know? And, right. and that's the one thing that I was like, all right, what if we can cram all this stuff into an hour class? So it forces you to do a little yeah. bit of yoga. It forces you to do cardio. It forces you to lift weights. It forces you to do a little bodybuilding. And therefore, you're getting a little bit of everything to keep you more well-rounded. And, and you know, I think rugby is a, definitely a good sport that could benefit from um, a fitness location that adds in those things, not just, yeah, let's be strong and hit hard, but you need so much more than that, oh, especially yeah. in life. And re recovery is so important as well along with that. So you just, you know, after you do all that, how do you get back into it? You know, how, how can you bounce back? Yeah, so absolutely. But um, yeah, I mean, core strength in, in contact, you know, it's not just the passing, it's in contact is, you know, it's so important to be able to keep your position, keep your base and, and you know, prevent injury also. Yeah. By having that and build up all the muscles around there, around, around the spine and down through, down, you know, down through the torso. Yeah, so. just being able to drive off that ground and really set your center of balance nice and low so you don't, you know. Right. So, so you can use the advantage of that. Right. It's so true. All right, Bill, what we're going to do to finish up is I want you to give out a mantra, something you live by, a quote, a word, or something to all of our listeners, or something they can do or think about that's going to help improve their life because I like having all of our clients give something out to them. Yeah, so something I think that's re really helpful, you know, there's really two things. So, you know, the first one is having a growth mindset. And uh, I read the book uh, by Carol Dweck a few years ago, growth mindset and it made a difference for me just that you know how everybody has the ability to change you're not a you're not a defined product you know that you can always be better I mean I, I feel the whole thing with physical fitness and exercise it, it's a long s slow steady decline inevitable decline as you can yes yes but you can certainly always improve and, and get better and in small increments and really just 
anytime there, you know, you make a mistake or you don't have a good day, you know, it's always, okay, what can I learn from it? What can I do better? You know, okay, I, I, I didn't do well in the workout at, at my pull-ups today. Okay, well, maybe it made me a little bit better and I learned something about my grip and next time I can go back. And really just expanding that in all parts of your life, you know, professionally, just anything, you make a mistake, okay. You could say, oh, well, I'm stupid or, you know, or I'm not good at that or it's okay. Now I have the ability to learn something. So uh, that's something whenever I screw up, I try and remember. It's so important. Like it's, it seems so simple and so basic, but it is so important. I think fitness and, and being able to use something that's physical like fitness that says, yes, I am getting better. I can see that, you know, uh, I can do more pull-ups or I can hold the squat longer, whatever it may be, or I could run a little bit faster. Seeing that now shows that you can make change in your life and that right. adaptation. Right. And if you stick with that long enough, then you start seeing, and I see there's most, most people who continuously work out most of their life, is how do we take that same mentality and apply it to the other aspects of our life? Mm-hmm. And everything is everything. Everything's interconnected. So guess what? Win or learn. We learn or learn in fitness. Apply that to your life. You screw up, great. That screw up is, is an important, that's, that's how you succeed. You can never succeed without screwing things up, right? right. Like, like the, the, right. You, we, we always look at that as a bad thing, but we need to look at that as that's, that's part of life and it'll never change. You're always going to get that in life. And it's whether you sit and pout or whether you go, cool, <laughs> laugh about it, joke to yourself about it, and then learn from it and move right. on. Right. And, and the other thing is, is gratefulness, you know, just counting your blessings really and you know sometimes you know Linda and I were talking and you know I was injured a couple weeks ago and you know I and in the morning she was coming I wasn't I go you get to go to the gym you get to go and she comes back she's sore and I'm like that's a privilege you're lucky I wish I could have gone and and been sore you know it's really just maybe tricking yourself into even thinking that but I get to go to primal path today and uh just looking at things that way, or I get to go to work. Some people don't. Some people can't. You know, it, it's 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 the you know, and, and even I've never had surgery. I just had my you know ankle sur- uh, surgery eight weeks ago, and I just look at all the things. I'm like, I, I am going to put more effort into this when I can get back to walking. I'm going to put more effort into this because you realize the things that you take for granted, you know, and the ability to be sore when you're working out, the ability to run, the ability. To have the uh, you know the capability of walk and drive your car like we take that stuff for granted, but the second that it's gone, you're gonna always wish that you did more when yeah. you had that. So, and with fitness, it's not a requirement, right? It's it, it's not a requirement. It's not like your car broke down, and you have to do it. But if you don't put in the time and effort right now, you're gonna end up spending all your time at doctor's appointments, and we are fighting death, like you talked about. We're literally fighting death every day, right? Yeah. We are preventing <laughs> death yeah. from creeping in, and every day that we could fight back is giving us another day on the planet and another day for us to be in a better shape to do what we want to do. So those last parts of our years aren't spent sitting in a home, staring out a window, and and just waiting for that time, the ticker to just end. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, once it becomes a habit, then you know you have good habits and bad habits. We all have them, but you know, exercise becomes a good habit. And if you don't do it, you don't feel right. You have that cognitive dissonance. (laughs) Something's, something's off. And, you know, I've always loved working out in the morning, getting it done hardest part of the day. And the rest of the day just, you know, flows, flows from there. There's nothing else that's going to be harder than the workout, but really just once it becomes a habit, you just, 
you don't even have to think about it. You just do it. So. That's an awesome mindset, Bill. Like, and I love, I love that, and I love to end with that too. You know, get it done. The hardest thing part of the day, you know, is yeah. that first workout. Everything is going to be easy. Yeah, that's it. Well, thanks for joining us, Bill, on our podcast, and thanks for listening, guys. And we'll see you in class. All right.